What do you have? I'll have uh, cranberry juice with two limes. And uh, I have a club soda with no ice. I'll have another scotch with plenty of ice. You like ice? Huh? Don't you find that you get more without it? Where's Elaine? Well, we thought she was meeting you earlier. She's usually pretty punctual. Hey, CJ. Yeah. You know our good buddy Tom. Uh, Tom who? Do 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 do. Tom Sharonis. Ah, I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, I was bored and we had it. We had said it enough times that I was able to pull individual recordings from three different podcasts and uh, made that for us. So. Well, good. Now, uh, I'll just probably, now know, I can save, punch that in. save my gorgeous voice and uh, not have to sing it every time. Now now we can just punch it up. Yeah, I was going to say, no, no, keep singing it, and then I'll just keep adding <laughs> the tracks to it, and it'll just keep getting more and more layered. Um, yeah, uh, what I noticed, like, I, like with these episodes being so out of order, I also noticed he's a supervising producer now. So I felt it was appropriate to kind of, you know, punch up his, his intro here. He probably gets name-dropped as much as any of the characters in the show, at least consistently. Yeah, I mean, um, just as much as, like, every main character has, every episode he's he's in. I mean, we – oh, I, I have gone out of my way to mention him. So, yeah, this is the show, the Seinfeld Podcast. I'm Alex Lee. Uh, I got my good buddy C.J. Ward. The Extreme. The Extreme. Uh, living in the 90s. You love it, don't you? Imminent ruage. Been on a twister kick lately? Yes. It's wonderful. Did your <laughs> eBay purchase come in? It has not yet. It won't come in until uh, sometime next week, and I am looking forward to it. I am kind of scared, though, now that I'm kind of diving back into these uh, these old v- VHSs. I'm a little worried that I'm going to be really only to play them one time just for my satisfaction of wanting to play them and then i'm gonna be really petrified that they like get eaten up by this vcr that probably hasn't been played in a decade so um well you need it sounds like you need to head down to your local uh resale and find like a cheap random throwaway vhs to, to just to test it out you know wouldn't want to damage anything as nice as a VHS from the 1990s. It's true. It's true. Yeah, that's another podcast. Mm-hmm. The podcast we're doing today, we're going to talk about uh, a great episode in Seinfeld history, The Jacket. Uh, technically, it's episode three in the way it was aired. But we have it, it as appears, five. <laughs> yeah, it appears on the Seinfeld DVDs as episode five because it was the fifth episode aired. Uh, I'm sorry, fifth episode filmed. And uh, to do a little bit of housekeeping on sort of this out of order, uh, and it ties into some of the ratings uh, that we have been talking about, or at least I've been talking about. I don't know if, if you've really said much about it other than mm-hmm. Um, well then, well then educate us. So the rating is based off the percentage of American households that have a television. Now, out of all of my searching that I did today, I could not find the number of televisions, uh, 
number of households with televisions in 1991 when uh, these episodes aired. But basically, a 12 rating means 12% of all households with a television were watching your shit at any given time. The share is the percentage of televisions that were on, those were tuned in to you. You see how those numbers could be different? So... Overall versus what's turned on? So yeah, so kind of run through me the over, the, the, the overall again. So it's the overall percentage of TVs that are just on in America. Well, are, are in their the, sort of... Well, do you know how Nielsen... Do, do you... Uh, let me back up. Do you know how Nielsen documents their ratings? They do it in a bunch of different ways now. They used to have people with like pens and pads, and then they started doing some digital tracking. Uh, but basically, it's it's not exactly it's a it's an extrapolated number because they're only taking a general survey of the amount of people in their survey. If that makes sense, I have another theory that everything is digital and we're all being tracked all the time anyway. So they know exactly what the number is, but they give us something close enough to where we're not too suspicious. But that's, that's definitely another podcast. So for example, this episode that we're talking about the jacket, it aired as the third episode, uh, on February 6th, 1991, it earned a rating of 10.4. Which means out of all the American households with the television, 10% of them are watching Seinfeld. Of those televisions that were on, 16% of those televisions that were on were watching Seinfeld. So, what did I read? It was the start of a couple years ago, like... 120 million American households had televisions and there were like 300 million potential television viewers in the US so if you extrapolate that 120 million households if 10% of those were watching your shit on these days on cable television oh my god that would be 12 million that would that would be 12 million people and could every you? every network would kill someone and their family and then that other person's family as well down the street to have those to ratings. To get a rating like that. To get a rating like that. It's 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 truly it's truly unbelievable. And I even wonder what the downloads do. I wonder if if the downloads and the views like, that's on a whole Hulu and track, stuff. I wonder if they even just but I wonder if they just like dwarf any any kind of television ratings for current sitcoms, you know? Like I wonder what the daily the daily unique views on a Seinfeld episode on Hulu is. I'd be interested to see those stats for something like The Office too. So this episode filmed third, and we uh, filmed fifth, aired third. So we actually have a good look at the first three episodes and what. Their ratings were, even though we're five episodes in. So as I as I'm looking at it, I see the rating go from ten nine to ten seven to ten four. So you're losing a half a share, uh, 
or uh, a half a rating. Your share goes from 17 and then hold strong at 16 across these two episodes. And this is I'm trying to put my timeline in my head. This is before the switch in days or after the switch in days? This is before the switch in days. Now, we have done two episodes at the end of the season, including the season finale. Now, the episode that we just did, The Bus Boy, uh, not The Bus Boy, I apologize. We did The Bus Boy uh, a few weeks back. Uh, we did The Baby Shower. I'm looking at it right in front of me. So we just did The Baby Shower. You're looking at a 12-4 rating and a 21 share. Now, the big difference here, I can tell you, is when they took it off the air, I found in my research that it went from being aired on a Wednesday, which I made the comment, I recited Jerry's comment about Jake and the Fat Man uh, an episode or two back. They moved it to uh, after Cheers on Thursdays instead of whatever it was following on Wednesdays. Uh, see, I can't even remember. It was so unmemorable. Once they removed, uh, moved it behind Cheers, that's when their ratings picked up, uh, which we'll see as the rest of the season plays out. Uh, the next episode we have, the phone message, is actually the last episode before it gets yanked. So we'll get some really good information, hopefully, in those notes. Uh, so the busboy got... Or not That's the kind busboy. of a fun follow. Yeah, so I told you, man, I am... This is, like, the one thing, like, I am just dedicated to tracking because... You really can't find these these specific ratings for the show, like really anywhere. It wasn't in the top like thirty, uh, or it didn't it didn't land well enough to be tracked. You know, all the way back by a, a lot of these old ratings are picked up by newspapers because they would publish it. So you can go to like newspaper archives and there's records of you know little scans of the newspaper. Uh, so that's where a lot of those older you know '90s ratings that I saw were tracked down from, but. After the baby shower is the Chinese restaurant, which, oh. if I'm not mistaken, did I, I? I lied. The Chinese restaurant is next, and the phone message is uh, two episodes after. So I lied. Wow. We'll get to the phone message. Um, we'll get to the phone message shortly. The point I'm trying to make, as long-winded as it might seem, is the busboy got an 8.8 .8 rating and a 16 share. So I just – I the busboy, which we really, really loved, like this great episode where all these characters come together and, you know, the executives had to pull Jerry aside and say, hey, man, you know, your name's on the show. You need to be in the show more. Like it got like a really not so great rating after after what seemed to be you know strong numbers at least in the small sample size we have with the baby shower and the last interesting thing because the show got pushed back the season three premiere season three episode one the note aired just three months after the busboy aired which is a really short turnaround right. Yeah, that's it's almost like it didn't didn't go away really. Right. So I'm hoping as this season progresses with these notes about nothing that have just sucked me into the ratings and why you got fucking yanked from the air and you know they reshuffled. I did get a little bit of of reasoning into why they reshuffled these episodes, and it's strictly because. 
they shot them all before they aired. So if you shoot all the episodes before they air, you have the luxury of just putting them in whatever order you want instead of shooting on like a sort of week to week basis to where like some shows will start shooting, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, it's almost like shooting a, a documentary where you kind of film the whole thing and go, okay, uh, we're going to put this here and this is going to air here. You know, you can kind of tell the story you want to tell rather than going like live to tape. Right. And I think it's a little different than how some shows may have been shot. Like I know sometimes like a lot of shows these days don't go for that 20 some odd episode, you know, run, you know, maybe early in their, their, when they're trying to get picked up and they're trying to, you know, really drive these characters home. I just, some of the better shows don't really have like these long seasons anymore. And I think that's due to just wanting to get really, you know, gritty shit out of, you know, performances and everything. But with the, the shorter, the shorter seasons, you can, you know, you just, you just have to get all your information out. You don't have, uh, fuck, I lost my train of thought, man. I had a thought and then I lost it. Damn fly in my house. It, 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 it was there. It was there, and then now, I literally, now it's gone. I literally saw a fly, and then like watched it fly away with my thought. So, so, so you saw the fly. It was like coming in slowly. It was like no, yeah. and then like splat against the windshield. Yeah, I think it was a drive down the road. The roads. I think it was for the best though, because we should probably get into you know. The, the episode itself. The episode itself. I don't know, man. You you found yourself down a nice, nice little rabbit hole, all puns intended, and I I'm totally excited to see what comes out of it because that's that's pretty fucking fascinating. I'm obsessed, TBH. dude. Like between the whole Jake and the Fat Man kicking their ass on Wednesdays to be a move behind Cheers, to like nowadays ratings don't really mean shit, like. As much as they used to, it's just, it's crazy. So this episode starts with just, I know, man, I can't, I can't help myself. It's numbers. Uh, this episode starts with a joke, right? Like they always do. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of how it starts off. Oh, it's the joke. It's the, uh, the clothes. It's the clothes. It's, all about... it's the sci-fi clothes for Earth should have a... A uniform. Yeah, like a stock clothing, kind of like in like a Star Trek and jumpsuits. Yeah, as as cool as that might be in sci-fi, that just makes me like think of like people under some sort of like oppression because it's like if I can't even choose like my big outfit, brother. Well, like I think I think just clothing is just all part. Like I know it's all for for a gag, but I think clo- clothing is all for. It's a way to, like, express yourself and, like, assume an identity. And if you, like, have a uniform that we're all required to wear in the future for whatever stupid fucking reason, it just seems like, I don't want to. I'm a contrarian, so you know me. If I'm told to do something, I'm going to be like, I don't want to. So, lame joke in my book. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, probably not one of his best, but... He looks snazzy, though. Uh, I I did have that written down. That of all, because I've been kind of shitting on his uh, attire during some of the standups, because he's worn some pretty bad stuff. Uh, I gotta say the blue, the this blue was pretty bland. Well, it, it was simple. I liked. Uh, that's why yeah, I liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
no crazy ties, no odd colors, just you know some good some good soft blues, and uh, just very interesting considering this episode is all about you know shopping and uh, oh but man how how great the the shopping experience would have been though in the next scene if they had originally gotten you know Ryan Styles Ryan Styles yeah the part of the salesman. Like what should have happened? Like I, like I want to go to what whatever multiverse he got hired in, and I want to watch this episode in that multiverse. Oh, absolutely! I would. It, it, whoever let that that guy go, as far as casting, very very disappointed. Because now, like the salesman in this, is just kind of like a throwaway character. If like Ryan Styles is that character, I can see us all going, "Oh my god, Ryan Styles as a salesman is fucking great." Making it a, a more memorable scene because this scene is actually longer. There's a whole introduction um, in the deleted scenes on the DVD where when they make the joke about, you know, let me go check in the back. There's never anything in the back. If they had anything in the back, it'd be out in the front. That's like the middle of the scene and uh, really smooth editing, picking that that line up that Jerry says because he says that, I mean, he says that is the guy, the sales guy is like creeping on his back. He's uh, He says he's tailgating him. And uh, he could if he could kind of back up, and they cut that, and they pick it up from that from that scene. So very, very good editing uh, on their part. But uh, yeah, if it had been Ryan Styles, I don't think they would have edited edited that uh, that much of the salesman out. Poor bastard. Poor bastard. <laughs> so did you uh, did you happen to catch? Because I know it's not written. It's not said but i didn't know if you picked it up in your research the name of the book that alton bennis wrote oh let me check my handy dandy notebook um because i remember when i watched this going oh okay but it doesn't look like i wrote it down i know it's and it based off of something that came out like a movie later on yeah so it actually like it all kind of ties into this whole episode being based off uh, a real life larry david situation um the book oh yeah the daughter yeah the book alton bennis wrote was king's road and the book that revolutionary road revolutionary road written by richard yates uh also was a tom hanks movie yeah you were on the right track but larry david dated his daughter Monica and this whole meeting the father and having a sort of fashion situation is apparently like drawn real life Larry David shit. So uh, I loved Jerry after he buys the jacket and he's sitting in his house late at night with the jacket on and the little house shoes checking himself out the little i love this, little this house random shoes. mirror yeah the, the, he, that he, appears he, out of like, nowhere you know, i had this mirror I'm, I'm just gonna bring it out in, into the middle of the living room out of my now one bedroom one apartment. bedroom yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's gonna bring it out and just check himself out in the middle where he has all this space and all this room for activity did you did you clock that he had a box of cereal on the couch with him doing some late night snacking? <laughs> no, I didn't. But that's that's awesome. I love it. So we get a uh, the nineteenth entrance of Kramer, uh, closing in clo- closing in smoothly on that twenty. How much do you think the jacket costs? Because we know Kramer knows. 
and, <laughs> and he kind of gives him the business about it, and he steals a peek. I'm just curious. What was the what was the highest that 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 Kramer asked again? We say did. Did he ask seven hundred, or does George yeah, ask seven hundred later? George gets uh, up to seven hundred. No, George says over a thousand. Yeah, George says over a thousand. Kramer gets up to. If it's over a thousand, don't say anything. Yeah. I think I think Kramer gets up to about four hundred. I don't know. Uh, I put it. I put it up. I I think it's at least twelve hundred dollars. I'm thinking in nineties terms. Wow, I think twelve hundred dollars wow. would be. I think it's over a thousand. I was gonna say like five fifty, but. Do jackets cost over $1,000? I guess they do. I mean, a suede jacket from a swanky New York department store. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's, it's, it's probably marked up. I can see it being a... Yeah, it's Elaine's... It, it, 12? It's Elaine's comment, like, where she says, you know, you're not even in the same, like, stadium or, like, the way, like, am I not even in the ballpark? Or the team has left the building and the fans have gone home or some type oh, of shit. Oh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. That, that, that definitely puts it over and out. You know, like, 550 is definitely a range where you can see, okay, it's, it's expensive, but it's a jacket. It's a nice jacket, sure. Like, if you're not even in the same the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's, it's got to be over a line, and that line has to be 1,000. So so uh, Jerry gives George, uh, George he gives he gives Kramer Jerry gives Kramer his old jacket because oh my god Kramer's a mooch and when he's not raiding Jerry's fridge he's taking his clothes. I love when he, uh, Jerry's still, like holding the jacket or whatever he's holding the sleeve and Did Kramer, Kramer kind of gives tug. that last little tug and has this like smile on his face like yeah it's mine yeah. <laughs> And then they're both checking themselves out in the mirror. I will say jackets. though, Kramer wearing the the leather jacket, like early signs of the Dude, Kramer pulls for off sure. everything. He, he does. Uh, so George comes in in the next scene, and I love it. Just like everybody else, goes straight for the fridge, grabs himself. You know, I'm not drinking this New York City apartment tap water. I know Jerry's got a bottle of water in the fridge. I'm gonna take some of that. Uh, what really irritated me is when he. Fills the glass up three quarters and then dumps most of it out in the sink. Like, bitch, that's bottled water. Like, that's not, that's not <laughs> Don't cheap. Don't get rid of that. That's not cheap. Like, if you're going to drink, you're going to pour it, you're going to drink it. At least Kramer had the audacity to only pour a little, knowing he was taking the it's full carton. <laughs> I mean, he did take... Still one of the best scenes, even when I play it out in my head. I mean, he did He did take the glass, too, so he could have poured it. But, but the, the, my point stands. George is kind of, kind of a dick. But, uh... The whole Lay Miz bit is just really funny. One, one of the one of the better early on reoccurring sort of jokes that they kind of like, they 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 start putting in these little runners where like somebody will drop something or like when they like you know things like the puffy shirt like that has like all throughout like I know that's that name of the episode but like it'll be like a recurring joke or something minor that just kind of plays throughout the whole episode and all the characters somehow interact with whatever um you know think of like sue ellen mishki you know uh elaine has a rivalry with her and it somehow results in kramer and jerry having an accident something like that um i really loved i like that like through most of the scene once once george comes in jerry is just silent and it's just george just escalating and escalating and escalating <laughs> it's just oh my god had me in fucking tears and then fucking um 
oh, what was I trying to think of? I had it earlier while you were talking about something. I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this about fucking George. Oh, when he's talking to George about the the lay Miserable stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Schumann. Yeah, it, it's 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 back to you know. I, I think we kind of talked about this last time um, in parentheses, but like that. Uh, it could be one of those moments, kind of like the the war. What is it good for? Spiel that he does to Elaine later on, or it's just where he's it's, using, it's uses just history to, to mess using, with him. Yeah, he's he's using his kind of base knowledge or something just to kind of make a joke and kind of mess with his friends, which we, I mean, we all kind of do sometimes. But Jerry starts to really get into it. I think this is kind of one of those first times we see it. Oh yeah. It, well, I, I have, it's funny you mentioned that. Larry David's major was history at the University of Maryland. So that would uh, that popped up in the notes about nothing, I think, this episode or last episode. And I was just so like, oh, well, no wonder we get all these random historical uh, references, you know, like Schumann. And we get, uh, I guess, I guess because Iran Contra was on everybody's mind back in the early 90s. We get a couple Iran. But he, he just he does he does this you know up up down down left right yeah there you go sorry yeah contra nineties I hear you um. um so Larry David being the history major he brings this obscure history knowledge to the show and it's really funny because like I I myself have been tracking sort of just the different pop culture and historical references and just in like this episode alone. We get multiple Cuba references and, you know, something that happened, I guess, in Guatemala and just different things that Three Stooges, Bud Bud Abbott and Costello. Who are you, Bud Abbott? Like, that's an Abbott Costello reference. Yeah. That's a comedy reference, but it's still very historical. It's those little things that are written in that kind of make you feel smarter as the viewer. You feel uh, looped in, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yes, exactly. Especially if you don't need the notes about nothing to tell you who Robert Schumann is. (laughs) 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 Who was a composer who did go crazy because he heard uh, a single note, which uh, it was in the key of A, which the song George is singing is in the key of A. Is in the key of A. There you go. Uh, one of the things that I found really interesting, so the notes about nothing give really good quotes from the actors. Like, I don't quote them a lot because it's a lot to write down. Um, but I do from time to time write down things that I find interesting that I'll write down the ones that I find that are relevant to like the characters and their growth and everything. And this one from Jason Alexander in this, uh, this particular scene, because he gets so worked up about Jerry not telling him the price uh, Jerry and George were like bro- blood brothers. They'd do the ritual if blood didn't make them faint. So, I to to me that's you know if if Jason Alexander considered these guys so tight, Jerry would tell him the price, and that's why George gets so worked up. Uh, and you know, <laughs> if it's over a thousand dollars, don't say anything for the next three seconds. Uh, you're right. Like J- Jason <laughs> is just really really good in this scene. Uh, very much how, you know, Julie has been killing it in the last few episodes. George really, you know, with the with the the baby shower to to this, he's just these his, these he's are really good two episodes at are so stair good. stepping. 
he's really good at stair stepping those those emotions up. You know that that level of hysteria. He the the way he levels it out is really good, and you you can have that sense of the change of gears, and it brings you into okay, he's getting more and more and more frustrated, and he brings that really really well. Um, how many times? Because I think this is now already like the second episode, I think, in which they mention Les Miserables. Like, how many times are do they mention it? Like, is it that big of a? I personally have never seen the musical. Um, is it that big of a musical? I know, I know Hugh Jackman. You know, I know Hugh Jackman did it, so it's kind of cool to you know, you know, if it's cool enough for Wolverine, I guess it's cool enough for me, but. Wolverine and Catwoman and Gladiator. Huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, there were some notes about it that the notes tried to give me, and I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really care. It's, uh, I've seen, like, the, there's a really old version, uh, film version of it that I watched, and it's just, it's just about a poor beggar dude who, you know, does what he does to get by and he's got a good honest heart and it's just it's every it's every story ever told you know what i mean was it just happens to occur during the seafried in it too probably it it just it also happens to occur during like the french revolution and i just i think people are just really attracted to people romanticize the french revolution yeah and they're attracted to that period aspect of it and it's it's a very well done period piece, I guess, in terms of like the classism, like it's a huge statement on that kind of shit. I just, I'm very pick, picky about the musicals I watch. It's got to be content that I'm interested in. Like I'll go see Alexander Hamilton. I mean, dude, Alexander Hamilton. Even that man, I got like an hour and a half through that on Disney Plus, and I was like, I need a break. Well, we watched all three hours, baby. Dude, I just, I mean, I, to, to me, that sort of presentation that they gave me, I would much prefer to see that live. I think that was the other thing. Oh, I was very, yeah. I was very taken out of the sort of, like, even if I saw that maybe in a movie theater on the big screen, I'd feel more comfortable. Watching it in my home was weird because, like, I went and saw Book of Mormon a few years ago on New Year's Eve, and that shit was dope. Like, I'll go see some... <laughs> some Matt Parker and you know, uh, or Trey Parker and Matt Smith, whatever their fucking names are. Uh, <laughs> Matt and Trey, they want to do You're some right. shit and put yeah, it on yeah. Broadway. I'll go see that all day long, but I'm not about to go see like Cats. You know what I mean? Oh, no, dude. Like, and I was never like, like I, I had a CD when I was a kid that had the the Cats, fucking like the the fucking big song from Cats. On it, and I, I listened know. to that, but like, I've never seen it. Same with Phantom, same with the Phantom of the Opera. I know that big Phantom of the Opera song, but I've never seen the full fucking thing. Um, uh, are we on the Seinfeld podcast or a podcast about musicals that we've only half seen? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Les Mis <laughs> sucks in my opinion. So George. Uh, so George, it was cool enough for Hugh Jackman. I don't know, you know, he did Swordfish, Swordfish. 
hey, Swordfish is a great movie. That's stop know, getting me I'm off. Saying. Stop, but that's an early two thousands movie. We can't talk about that. It didn't. It didn't happen in the nineties, <laughs> so it doesn't. It's it's not on our radar. <laughs> so you may, movie. so you may be confused about this Kramer entrance uh, because he doesn't technically open the door. He actually doesn't even like put his hands on the door. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's why I like. I kind of like half. It does count. More things it, half. It does count. I, I kind of like half marked it. It does count. The 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 notes about nothing have it counted as entrance number twenty. What well, I find, then I will count it in my notes. I I love that he is obviously wearing Jerry's jacket. He's got the huge <laughs> wall of hair, which he's he's very Kramer in this because you know he's asking for help. He's got to go pick up some doves, and it's just very it's just full. He's full Kramer at this point, and I just. It's very, very funny, especially because we'll knowing that these maybe not these birds specifically, but there's definitely a few other run ins with some birds that he has. Uh, it's very, very funny. Very, very good Kramer, in my opinion. Michael Richards on point here. All right. Shall we move on to the hotel? Uh, yeah, just the big the big comedic uh, climax of of this episode with Lawrence Tierney playing. The oh, very he's a massive man, he's a bro. huge dude. Like Kramer's a little taller than Jerry. Jerry's definitely taller than George. And Alton Bennis, played by Lawrence Tierney, is just he towers over all of them. You can see why he played John Dillinger in 1945's Dillinger. Uh, it's with a name like 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 Lawrence Tierney. Like that's that's a strong fucking name. That's too. like like that that just signifies I'm a big motherfucker. Right. I mean. It, it, as far as screen names go, I mean that's definitely up there with like s- some baller shit in my opinion. Like, I think I put that in like Alec Guinness territory. Like to me, you hear the name Alec Guinness, you're like, oh that dude's on some shit. You know, no doubt he's fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, but Lawrence Tierney, man, if he hadn't been so goddamn crazy, so I know you yeah. found. I know you found this story online because it's it's fucking everywhere. Uh, the inside look had like three different points of view. It had Julia, uh, Julia's point of view, Jason's point of view, and do 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 Tom Sharonis, his uh, so, his point of view as well with this whole situation. It's just, uh, dude, break it down for me, man. It's so. I funny. just I don't I don't get why this big a man needs to kind of just wander over onto the kitchen set, which why why they have live sharpened knives. That was the other thing, dude. Why that's not a fakey like But but I guess you know you don't you don't know this kind of situation until it happens. Until it happens. But like you know, this big dude kinda of wanders over there and grabs a knife and just kind of puts it like a like a butcher's knife yeah he took the big one puts it in his fucking coat pocket and everyone's like bro the fuck so jerry kind of wanders over and i'm sure he jerry's got to be like what's this dude doing and he's like hey man did you uh you know what you got there and he just takes it out and starts i i guess trying to be like oh shit i got caught and try to make a joke does like this the the music from the movie Psycho that and like fake stabbing motions at Jerry and they're like yeah bro we can't we can't have this dude back 
apparently Jerry stood his ground. According to, to Tom and Jason, he didn't flinch at all during all of this, during his approach, and when uh, Lawrence thought it would be funny to do the psycho deal. It, it, it goes to show that Tyranny was, uh, this being one of his few comedic roles, uh, you could see why he may not understand what's funny. Uh, he, <laughs> no, I don't think he does. He actually got upset during rehearsals when the camera crew. Uh, I guess, I guess it helps in rehearsals to hear these jokes a few times because when you know they're coming, they're definitely not as funny. So you get the laughs out during rehearsals and and you know stage setup. And Tyranny was upset because he didn't realize, you know, what he was saying was intended to be comedic. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm being serious here. Why are y'all laughing at me? And they basically had to explain to him the nature of, like, awkward comedy in a, or uh, awkward situations in a sitcom. You know what I mean? Like, no, you are serious and it's meant to be funny. Like, these guys are scared of you. And it just, yeah. The guy that had to be explained sitcom thinking it would be funny to, you know, steal a butcher's knife just... I could definitely see why they wouldn't want to have that guy back. You know, it's it's no, it's it's a sh- and it's a shame. They don't now. ever do like a recast. Which I mean, I guess you can't do like a recast because once you get this guy in there, I mean, he it's kind of hard to recast this figure. But they don't do a recasting or anything. We just don't. I mean, they just never really they, mentioned again. They recast George's dad. They recast Jerry's dad, but they won't recast Elaine's dad, especially if. Nah, there's like, look it. We have too many parents in the show. Already, I, and that was one what, of my other is each, other thoughts. Is each character's too. parents going to be fucking reoccurring characters? How many? Like, I mean, when does it get, Babs get was, old and Babs, oversaturated? Ba- Babs was in for a few episodes. Uh, yeah, and you know, this is like one of the only mentions of Elaine's mother when when Alton asks asks about her. Um, but this this scene, man, like when we talked about you know some of Julia's scenes earlier. This is this is George's scene, man. Like his nervousness, you know. uh, Doesn't he compliment Jerry about where does he come up with this stuff uh, in this scene, or was that last episode? If I'm if I'm thinking of, but I don't I don't remember. uh, I uh, I do like the use of the bathroom move. I I that is definitely a go to (laughs) move for all of my awkward situations. Like uh. I'll be right back. I gotta go hit the restroom real fast. And then you just you you sit there and you take as long time as possible and you wash your hands real good and you're like, oh man, I don't want to go back over there. We get the first uh, George arm pull. Uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry, Jerry. He tries, he tries to hold Jerry back. Uh, <laughs> just fucking, he just you like ice. That to me, man. It's such a stupid line, but I hear it. It's just one of those that, like, in my head, like, when I hear somebody say something stupid or I don't know what to respond, I just want to be like, so you like ice? It's just – does it really need to be a conversation? Is it just because you ordered extra ice? Because don't you find you get more with that? Yes, everybody knows that if you get no ice or less ice, you'll get more liquid. The counter to that is your beverage isn't going to be as cold. Like – it's just the way it is. It's just the whole thing. It's just so dumb and so funny. Taking the awkward sips at the same time, looking at the door together, like where the fuck is Lane? And then just, just right, 
right at the time where you think oh, we can, we, we're just gonna fucking dip. She comes back in. She's like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna be thirty minutes late. And you're like, oh, now I got a time. Now I have to wait here for thirty more minutes. Like, would you I would wait be ordering. And I know they don't. Oh, see, here's the thing. I know, I know they're not much the drinking type. But I would be like, I got to get a drink from the bar, or something to last this thirty minutes. I don't know how they did it sober. Yeah, you stop by. You stop by the. Uh the bar slam a couple shots head back to the couch lie about your uncle's operation this is one of the first times i can really think of george having to do some on the spot lying and maybe not one of his best excuses but i think it's a nice little look into the future of him just being able to come up with shit just hey you need a lie george is your man you need you need to get out of something george is your man it's not a lie if you believe it you believe it <laughs> so i think you know it just in this tense moment him being able to put on that um uh put on that little that little show is uh is is nice and then and then as alton excuses himself to go to the bathroom uh elaine shows up and uh She's got the best. Sounds like she had a Kramer oh, of a time. Oh yeah, great, great Kramer shit, great Kramer shit. Birds running down the street, double parked. Just, uh, it's nice to know that like these characters that like were, were that, that we've seen you know exist together now exist together outside of Jerry's universe, and that's you know I can see where executives might be worried about a show called Seinfeld becoming about more than you know just Jerry. But I think that's also the beauty of the show is knowing that you've got these four characters that all exist together, but they don't have to always exist with Jerry. But whatever they're going through is going to somehow relate to his life. And and even though we're only into season two to this point, like the character development has been to a such where as she's describing it, we can play that entire scene out in our head as it would be a Kramer and Elaine scene. Right. I mean, they've they've done such, such a good job of establishing these are who these Props characters are. Just just into you know five episodes into season two, where oh yeah yeah no she does. I mean, I think we say it every fucking episode. She does fucking great. I I, I know I do. Uh, <laughs> this, I mean, we just need to turn this podcast into uh, we love uh, Ju- Julia Julia Louis Dreyfus fucking podcast. Uh, it needs to be our podcast. That is this podcast, bro. That is this <laughs> podcast. Uh, especially props to her in this episode, showing a little leg in her pantyhose. That's uh, oh. she's been the way we've seen her dress has been very '90s, but you know, it, as far as like early '90s TV, there wasn't a whole lot of you know. Sex and on you know, they TV didn't go, and good old fashioned values. Then, they didn't even go like super risky. Like, like they they didn't over sexualize her. No, she's in a they full length trench coat that her legs just happen to stick out of. You know what I mean? That's the only. They like, didn't you just see her legs. It, it looks professional, but that's probably the most skin she's shown up to this point. Uh, and I think that's great for her as a character where. Her entire identity isn't – even though she is seen as promiscuous as the men, her character isn't boiled down to just her sexuality. 
Yes. Which, you know, obviously it's a sitcom, but she's not just Jerry's ex-girlfriend. She is seen as, you know, an equal to them, which we've pointed out in multiple instances. Um, I do like that her dad, uh, who's the lipstick for? Like, like she can't just wear lipstick as, a, as you know, a woman. It's got to be for somebody. I think that was like a nice little, you know, old-timey nod to that where, you know, how, how you know, men are used to be or whatever. Um, yeah. But she just, yeah, the, the, like you said, the way she explains that story, she does a great job of just giving us that, that visualization. Even like, if you look at female leads in the 90s that they did make, like their sexuality all about, or not even, like, but most of their personality about their sexuality, you know, Jennifer Anson and Friends, um, all the female, uh, all the female actresses and friends are way over sexualized. Um, Phoebe, maybe not so much, but mm. I, I guess I, 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 I could see where you could make an argument for Phoebe, but she's definitely the, I would say the least. Uh, I, or I, maybe it's Courtney Cox, maybe the least. No, they. I would say all. I, I would say Jennifer Anderson is is clearly the most over sexualized, and then Monica and Phoebe are both equally. As such, dude, yeah, I I love you, and we will debate Seinfeld to the live long day. I will beat you at Friends one hundred percent of the time. That, just, hey, that's that's fine. I I, that's fine. I grew up watching. I'm not it. trying to debate Friends. I watched the entire series with my wife, and it's one of the background shows that has consistently been on my life for the last fifteen years. So, when it comes to knowing that show and the amount of nippage poking through titty, throwing, uh, poking through t-shirts. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. So well, if you well, compare those like, comedy la- ladies to, to, to Elaine, I mean, it's like it's there's Grace no and Karen, um, for sure. I mean, Karen's a huge part of Karen's identity is is her just being you know out there. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just they it, Elaine did a. a they did a good job of making Elaine not over-sexualized, yet, like you said, promiscuous and a smart character. Yeah, and and to, to in the if you think about it in the '90s, and um, it's pretty much I I like to think about because it annoys me that SNL tries to call Lou uh, Julia an alum you know she was the first female alumni or alumnus or however you want to pronounce that word to host saturday night live like she was the first female former cast member to host the show but she was like barely that's what i'm saying and in an even recent article that i read from her where a bunch of celebrities wrote in and asked her questions i think it was judd apatow asked her about her time on snl and she's very diplomatic. She she won't actively go out of her way to insult anybody, but she just pretends that that is a blank spot that doesn't really exist in her career. Uh, she doesn't say anything. She's just very neutral, like very very pol- political about it, in my opinion. But if you yeah, if you I look mean, at some like... earlier interviews, sorry to cut you off, but she talks about not yeah, having the greatest time and i know in some of the earlier episodes i did a uh a, a dive into some of her her sketches that are on youtube and you can see she's relegated to 
female character A and play this obnoxious female character, you know, here. And she, her, the material she's given is not material that she's best at, if that, you know, makes any sort of sense. And you can see here that she just, I mean, given the right material, she is just the fucking shit. Oh, yeah, no, I've... This, this scene is actually going on right now in my living room as we we're talking about it, and she is just, like, both Jerry and George are just sitting there just watching her, and they even just, like, like get them, like, sit back down, because she just, and they just have this, like, look of awe on their face as <laughs> she just rambles on. Yeah, she asks them, you it's know, how, awesome. how it's going, and they've had just a horrible time, but they're not, they're like, oh, what, after what she just went through? No, we, we, we're fine. Everything we're okay. has been great here. This hasn't been the most uncomfortable 30 minutes of my life. <laughs> uh... To move to move this scene uh, along a little bit. Okay. Would yo, you tell um, Would you tell Alton Bennis to go fuck himself if I turned I my right suede jacket inside out? Especially if we're talking about the numbers that we were talking about earlier, where it's like, okay, this this jacket, this one single article of clothing might be over a grand. Yeah, I was like, yeah, brother. No, I'm turning it inside out. Yeah, like, it, like you don't want to walk with me, then then you can walk ahead, and we'll walk behind. I'm not I'm not ruining this highly expensive jacket. Just, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, and guess what? Yeah, I am a clown. I'm a goddamn comedian. For that's a and that's the other thing too. He exactly. I, I what what do you think I do? I tell jokes for a living, bro. Like <laughs> that that is my job. Um. I'm looking through my notes here, and and I wish I had noted it earlier when uh, I had actually brought up Jake and the Fat Man. Uh, so Jake and the Fat Man has this history with Seinfeld of of beating it in its in its premiere and just matching up against it in its second season. Uh, the quote that they had from Jerry uh, this has been this has been a good good episode for quotes from the notes. <laughs> There's a bumper right there. Quote, yeah, I, I feel it. I feel it. So Jerry said that people would – so Jake and the Fat Man was an hour-long TV show. Seinfeld would air in the second half hour up against it. And Jerry said people would switch to that second half hour because that's when the Fat Man has to run. And I just – I mean that sucks because, yeah, if there, if there is a – if there's It's an, the Baywatch effect but for the opposite yeah, reason. Yeah, if there's an hour-long police procedural but I know I can switch over in the last like half hour and at some point maybe see this fat guy run, I mean I'd be tempted to do it too. So maybe that's one of these the reasons why this episode, you know, they, they see that and they go, no, we got to pull it and we got to move it to, you know – the, the the next night throw it after cheers and maybe that'll draw more attention so it'll just it'll just be interesting to see uh, as the season progresses and i get the rest of these ratings and and maybe i'll get like the breaking the 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 smoking gun of why they decided to push the show back why. so that's 90s uh so yeah uh jerry ruins his jacket the next day uh, or at some point, uh, Kramer, Kramer comes in. He's sneakily got three entrances in this in this episode, and uh, props props to him for for getting uh, for getting a big part of this episode and coming away with two really nice jackets. I definitely would call him the winner. Yeah, he got another really nice jacket, and then 
why, why, why doesn't he tell Elaine? Like, why, his, like, about her dad? Oh, I, I just think it's, I mean, he's a big scary man. He doesn't want her to feel responsible. Maybe, maybe, maybe in his even Stephen kind of way, if he tells her that it was her dad's fault, she'll feel some sort of obligation to reimburse him. And he doesn't want that sort of, because he wouldn't accept her money for that sort of situation. Yeah. Not that big of an amount, yeah. Yeah, but because it was Maybe it was such... for a big salad, but not for right. a suede jacket. Right, and because maybe she would feel like she kind of, oh, like, you know, forced him, not forced him, but she was there when he got it. And, I mean, I just, to, to me, that seems like ex-boyfriend walking a thin line of, you know, delicate like relationship type stuff like you, you want to maintain a friendship with this woman let's not blame her father for ruining my expensive ass jacket i'll just eat this one because because at the same at the same time he should feel ashamed for not standing up to alton you know what i mean like oh yeah you could have just oh, yeah, for sure. you could have just said fuck it dude this is how i'm this is how i'm wearing it but he didn't he he backed down and he's probably just eating he's probably just eating crow it's just like fuck it it's, it there's just no point it's Kramer's now, which uh, as much as Kramer comes out on top, he is kind of a dick for not giving him back his leather jacket. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would. Because yeah. if I'm willing to wear that bunk ass suede, I, I would wear. I would. I, I don't care if that suede's ruined. I think it made it look cool. <laughs> like look how fucked up and retro it is. But made it look rustic. Rustic. Thank you. That was the word I'm looking for. Because it wasn't retro then. It's retro now. Uh, it was in style then, but oh, yeah, we had plenty of rustic furniture around our house. But he uh, he should have given Jerry back the leather jacket. But and then, as if you know, he wasn't fucking cr- crazy enough. As if we didn't know he was crazy, Elaine's dad drives off singing the song from Les Mis. That was a great button on the episode because that sort of. Because uh, and we did. It, it's so interesting that we didn't talk about of all the things we talked about in that scene was George enters the hotel singing it, and then he tries to exit the hotel singing it, and he gets called a uh, choir boy. <laughs> oh Pipe yeah, down, choir and boy. Elaine, say, Elaine says that uh, her dad thinks that George was gay from it. Yeah, from all the he thinks from all the singing. Yeah, but, but he thinks everyone's gay. But uh, he. Yeah, just that 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 nice little bumper. Uh, they talk about that thread that kind of just it intersects with all of all of the the main sto- the whatever the storyline is, and you want to send even the behind the scenes storyline. Yeah, right. And you want to send you really th- those bumpers on TV shows. Like you tell when a TV show really is smart because they 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 won't all they won't use the bumper as a crutch. But they they know that if they give you that one last little taste and they send you home on a laugh, you'll want to come back and see it. And I think this is one of those instances where you show Alton Bennis having picked up that little crazy little song that George was singing and and it gets it gets a bigger laugh than it really should. But given everything that's occurred in the episode, even, you know, even after it comes after the Elaine comment. You know, it, it it really it gets a bit to me. It got, it got a bigger laugh than the joke really is 
you know, I mean, it's just an old man singing. But given everything that happened, gives you a big laugh, makes you want to come back and 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 see what happens. Well, then even even your bookend joke on the episode, the the stand up, the the cows in the rain is a is a <laughs> decent joke. Let us see. I, I guess it, it, it's <laughs> a good joke. We're made of leather. That is his delivery of it's very 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 good. I like when he. He he's not in it. He doesn't do impressions, but he will do imitations of like inanimate objects or people in a situation. And I like when he does that because it's when he gets very emoted. Anamorphize, anim- anamorphosize. That, yeah, that word. He anim- gets he gets very emotive when he does the when he does those voices, and I and I and I, I enjoy I enjoy that because he he doesn't show a lot of emotion in his stand ups. They can be. A little dull. Like I said, that first one from this episode, pass. Last one, I'm on board. And uh, we didn't even get to the one in the middle. It was just forgettable. <laughs> yeah, just lost yeah. right over it. Uh, but yeah, man, like this was this was a fun episode. Like it just very again, we're only a couple up. We're only a few episodes into the second season, and we're getting these very serialized you know, one-off episodes, and I, I, outside of wishing we got more Alton uh, throughout the years, man, this episode is just a good, you pop this on, and it, if you're not familiar with it, you could say this was a fifth season episode or a third season episode, you know what I mean? Like, you, you wouldn't know. Yeah, j- just because the interaction of the, of the characters, even, even with the Elaine and the Kramer thing not really happening on screen, just the reference of their interaction would make you think that it's maybe a little yeah, bit later just, on. Yeah. Great episode. Uh, you know, e- even, e- even saying it was great. Uh, I, I, st- I still only give it about a, a 3.7. It's like I said, I, I, that comes from the bias of knowing what's ahead and I don't want to rate it so high that I'm forced into rating some other episodes, uh, a little higher. So yeah, I, I, think... I will admit a little ratings bias. Cause I think 3.7 is exactly what this episode is. It's a solid, it's a solid app. I would show it to anybody uh, that was or wasn't a Seinfeld fan, and I feel confident in the laughs and in the storyline. Yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely. I, I think I was a little. I was coming off right when I had finished watching it. I was still laughing, and I rated a little bit high. But I think that's a little recency bias because I, I, I had just watched it. I think you're right. I think at 3.7, 3.8, somewhere around in there, just just a little shallow of a four um, makes a little bit more sense. Just because just you're right, what is down the pipe, especially, I mean, just this next Dude, week. I'm, I'm telling you right now, not even just this, this next week especially, we're talking, we're talking all, all time lists here. But of the next five episodes, I'm looking at the back of the DVD right now. So I'm looking at written... Uh, table read and filmed order uh, of the next five man I've got three episodes that for me are just absolute standouts and it's funny because I'm looking at one that I just know you're not a fan of uh, and it's already it's so funny because like we're 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 exactly 10 episodes in and we have uh, definitely we've I know, bum, right? bum, bum. Uh, we've definitely teased this episode for sure, at least on your end, as like it's it's been oh yeah it's a, been mentioned a few times. Uh, for sure. But man, there's there there's one at the end of this five episode run at the end of this uh, season two disc episode six through ten that is 
to me, it's a stand. It's just one of my all-time favorites, and uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But next week, for sure, the Chinese restaurant man, that's gonna be some dope shit. I'm so looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, put a All button right. on this. Uh, that... uh, hit him with the socials. You go first this time. All right. So if. You want to keep up with all of my wrestling goodness, this podcast goodness, other uh, side content projects. You can find me at all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitters, at CJWard989. If you want to watch me play old video games from the 90s, you can find me at twitch.tv slash chilled, the letter in roasted. Uh, I like to drink coffee He's and play really video good, games. But it, it's um, a lot of fun to watch him. I have. You're my good at Mario moments. Kart. I'll give you that. The new Mario Kart. You're 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 getting along. You get a little drift happy. You'll focus on those drifts where that's like all you want to do. But uh, I get in my car and I I I, I yeah. can see the drift lanes. That's that's <laughs> that's a different podcast. Uh, but, yeah. So that's that's the seat. Th- that's yeah. That's the CJ socials. Uh, I don't really have socials, but no, I'm just playing. Uh, the social for the show, you can find us on Twitter at this underscore is the show. Uh, find me and the followers. There's like seven of us. Uh, Rabbit is wise. I'm the guy hanging out with Gumby. And uh, do you? Do I what? I said, do you want to uh, throw in the other thing as well? If people want to hang out and kind of talk oh. Seinfeld and join in on some Seinfeld goodness. Oh, so you mean that other little thing that we may or may not be trying to get off the ground, but yeah, yeah we're I trying. Mean, you can find us. Uh, you can. Okay. So I'll pimp my discord and then you can pimp your discord, I guess, uh, since you didn't finish. All right in your own shit so uh on the discord if, if yeah, you uh true. you search the server about nothing or you can find me uh i am don't fold the maps i don't know how to search for people so uh you can search the either. text channel hashtag a booth at monks or hashtag jackie child's office i don't know how any of that works find us on discord yeah just 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 search for the server about nothing on on discord and that is where we will post all Seinfeld goodness, and uh, we will try and make a Seinfeld community on Discord because it is, it is definitely yeah, lacking. Like where, where's all the Where's all the Kramerica industry employees when you need them? Darren. Ah, uh, that that's a. <laughs> so yeah, that's a button um, on the socials, right? All right, man. That uh, I believe uh, that is the let's, show. Let's hit him with a little uh. Do 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 Tom Sharonis.